Welcome to week three of a five-part series about love, sex, dating, relationships, marriage. We're calling it I Want a New Marriage, and we're going verse by verse through a very spicy book of the Bible, through the Song of Solomon. And this is a book that you had to be 17 years old in Jesus' day to be able to even read. Uh, it was that uh, graphic and detailed. But you know what? God gave it to us so that we could study and we could learn what, a lo- what love looks like. Because in the Song of Solomon, we get a picture of a love that lasted a lifetime. We get to see, we looked at last week, what, what attract. we looked two weeks ago at what attracted them to one another. This Solomon and his lover, the Shulamite woman. Last week, we looked at their dating or courting relationship and how that's probably very different than how our culture looks at relationships today. And Today we're going to be looking at, uh, we're going to be picking right back, right off where we, right where we left off last week, and we're going to be looking at their honeymoon night. Next week we're going to be looking after, we're going to be looking at uh, how they fight, so bring your boxing gloves next Sunday. Uh, come ready to fight, because if you're in a relationship, you know you, you're going to fight somebody. Like if you, you some, some of you, you may be dating, you're like, no, I can never fight with him. He's so perfect. I would never, ever have a fight. You just wait, baby. Bring your boxing gloves next week. <laughs> it's going to be good because after two chapters of a honeymoon tonight, it's two chapters of fighting. So you, if you're going to have a marriage, you're going to have a love that lasts, you're going to have to learn how to fight right. And we're going to look at what godly ways to fight. And then lastly, we're going to look at how to have a love that lasts a lifetime. So I pray that this is a, a series that really connects and helps us. I, I don't know if you've seen this on Facebook recently. It's Valentine's Day season. And I saw some recent things online called Christian Pickup Lines. And uh, I don't know if you've seen some of these. Maybe if you're single, this will help you out some. Here it is. Uh, it says, girl, you must be made out of water because Jesus done turned you into fine. What about this one? (laughs) I didn't say they were good. Girl, I've been struggling with loneliness. This is a good one, by the way. Girl, I've been struggling with loneliness. Would you mind to meet with me and pray about it? See, that brother's smooth. Uh, I was looking through the book of Numbers, honey, as in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. I was looking through the book of Numbers, and I realized I don't have yours yet. That's smooth right there. (laughs) Uh... It, uh, this one says, hey girl, my name is Will, as in God's will for your life. <laughs> this girl, he said, baby, your middle name must be Grace because you're amazing. <laughs> said, girl, is it hot in here or is that just the Holy Spirit burning bright in your life? <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. Uh, Christian pickup logic. Okay, on that note, we need to pray, everybody. <laughs> oh, but seriously, we're going to pray and ask the Lord before we look at the scripture. We're just going to ask that the Lord would just help us. Uh, this is, I believe, this area of our life really has the ability to affect all other areas of our lives. And uh, we need, of all the things, we need the Lord to help us give, clar- give us clarity about our relationships and about what it means to, to, to fall in love the right way, the way that God created it. For us, and let's just pray today. Ask the Lord to help us as we look at His Word. Father, thank you so much. 
God, for just what I feel here today at church. This is just an incredible, incredible day. Thank you for your presence that's here. God, thank you for your word that gives us light for our paths. Lord, would you give us strength today? Help us to not have a microscope on other people, but help us to have a mirror and allow you to speak to us individually. Help us to work on ourselves and what we can be in our relationship with you, Lord. We pray today for every church in in the Knoxville area, in our area, that's lifting up your name today, God. Let there be the greatest revival in our city that we've ever seen, not just at City Hills Church, but every church throughout our city. God, we just pray that we would be part of something like it's never been before. God, bless the pastors and churches of our city in the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. If you want to grab your notes, Song of Solomon chapter 1. In verse 1 says, this is Solomon's song of songs. In other words, of all the songs that Solomon wrote, and the Bible says he wrote over 1,005 songs in his lifetime. He said, of all the songs, of all the topics, of everything that I've ever written with my life, he said, this was the song of songs. This was the best song that I've ever written. See, that's, that's our prayer, that, that, that your love, that the relationships that you have in your life would be the best thing about you. When you look back and you'll say, you know what, it was the relationships that Jesus put in my life and, and that I cultivated through a lifetime, that, that this is just the greatest song that I've ever sang before in my life. And the, then his lover, the Shulamite, speaks. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. I'm trying to get my wife to memorize that verse throughout this series. Um, it says, your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Others notice you. Your name is like a perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Solomon, essentially she says, you have this love thing right in your life. That's incredible how the love that you have together. It's an amazing thing that this love affair that they had that lasted a lifetime was something that blessed the nation. It's something that blessed her life. And that's my prayer for you. If you're single, if you're single here today, here's my prayer for you that you would build a foundation for your future. That you would take the word of God, that you would look at what it would say and you would apply it to your future. And specifically in the area of your sexuality. There are going to be things you're going to hear about today that are going to be very applicable to you today. And there are going to be other things that you can build for a foundation for the future. And allow God to do that in your life. And if you're married, allow God to do some remodeling in your life. As I said earlier, whenever I was praying, let's not carry magnifying glasses today. Let's carry mirrors. You know, a lot of times we can magnify our spouse's weaknesses and their faults and their flaws Instead of putting a mirror in our hands and allowing God to deal with us. So as we, as we talked about the first week of this series, no elbows. So you don't elbow that person next to you. You know, Don't, don't say, oh, that's, I told you so. Don't, no elbows. Allow God to do a work in your life. And we're going to look at what the scripture says about the relationship. Well, this week we kick right off where we left off last week. In verse 3, verse 6 of chapter 3, we begin to see their wedding procession. I'd encourage you to read it yourself at home. It's an incredible thing. Over 60 groomsmen in their wedding. It was just this elaborate, elaborate wedding. And then chapter 4, verse 1, we see their honeymoon night. In their culture, you were not even considered married until you consummated your relationship physically. That you would not be pronounced man and wife in the ceremony. You would actually go to a tent nearby and you would consummate the wedding while all your friends stood outside the tent around you clapping for you. Yay, 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 yay. 
How many is thankful that tradition has changed? That's a good thing. <laughs> People would cheer and then they would come out of the tent and they would, uh, they would go before the people and uh, they would have a week-long, uh, honeymoon, a week-long wedding reception from that. So we're going to look tonight, today specifically, about their honeymoon night. And we're going to see the detailed description in the scripture. And we're going to realize that it lasted all night long. That Lionel Richie was not the first one to come up with that. But it was all night long, the scripture said. And tonight, today we're talking about how to have great sex. And whenever I say that today, whenever I even say that in church, you probably have one of two reactions. Maybe you think, yes, this is awesome. I love this church. It's probably a guy. Um, but uh, maybe, maybe, you have, maybe you're a guy or a lady and you, you have the reaction that this is absolutely inappropriate. We should not be talking about this in church. This is not something that's appropriate to talk about in mixed company. We should not talk about it, um, especially in church. Well, really, this has been the predominant way of thinking about this topic uh, in our Christian culture in recent years, that it's not appropriate to talk about many times, even in our homes, that, uh, and especially not in church. So what I believe that the world has taken up the slack for us, and uh, movies, songs, magazines, TV shows have defined the standard for sexuality in our culture. But I have news today that the devil did not invent sex. It's not his idea. God did. He didn't invent it just for procreation. He invented it for pleasure and for our enjoyment and for the union of a husband and wife. As a matter of fact, I believe the church has made a huge mistake whenever we do not talk about it. And if we do talk about it, the only thing we say about it is don't. Don't stop. Do not. Just don't talk about it. Don't do it. Don't talk about it. That's all we get from the church. And uh, I heard, heard a story about a pastor that was preaching one time. And he said, if I had all of the booze in the world, I'd take it and I'd throw it in the river. He said, if I had all the cigarettes in the world, I'd take it and I'd throw it in the river. He said, if I had all the pornographic magazines in all the world, I'd take it and I'd throw it in the river. And he said his closing prayer and he looked at his song director and he said, what are we singing for our closing song? And he said, number 403, let us gather at the river. <laughs> but seriously, God wants to define what sexuality is in our culture. God is very vocal about this topic. There's over 100 verses in the scripture outside of the Song of Solomon that talk about sexuality. And then we have two whole chapters of the Bible devoted to marital intimacy. You see, there's a principle. What God gives us to enjoy, Satan always attempts to hijack and use to destroy. Sex is not a bad thing. It's something that God gave us to enjoy. But Satan wants to take it and Satan wants to use it to hijack it and use it to destroy. Think about he does this in areas, other areas of our life. Think about money. Money is not a bad thing. Money is not evil. Uh, contrary to po popular opinion, some people quote the Bible that says money is the root of all evil. And the Bible does not say that. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money, possessions, things are not a bad thing as long as, those th as long as you have those things and those things do not have you. Am I making sense today? God gave it to us to enjoy, but Satan has an incredible ability to hijack those things. Money, sexuality, all these things. He wants to hijack it and use it to destroy our lives. See, God has a standard of what sexual intimacy is to be. 
It's all throughout the scripture. We'll read, we'll read a couple scriptures today that specifically talk about God's standard. But here, here's what it is in a nutshell. Simply this, that all sexual activity fits and works only in one context. Between a man and a woman in marriage. Everything else outside of that is incredibly destructive and harmful. This is not the standard we see in our culture today. 91%, I found this fascinating, 91% of all sex scenes on TV is outside of marriage. 91%. And that's not even including movies. How, how, how much has our culture shown us these things? That we'll never see the hurt, the pain, the tears, the pregnancies that are caused by stepping all over God's standard. We don't learn about it correctly in schools. We, we, we look at these areas of our lives and usually all we see is the mistakes that we've made along the way. And I want to tell you today, you can either do one of two things with the, with the message you hear from God's word today. You can either give up or you can press in. You can, you can have the first reaction. You can say, okay, let's get out of here. I'm getting out of here as fast as I can because I've already made too many mistakes. I'm too, you know, I, this is too far gone in my life. I've already made too many mistakes in my sexuality. I'm absolutely giving up along the way. Or you can allow this to be something that causes you to press in. To say, yes, I've made some mistakes in the past. And let me help you out. We've all made mistakes in the past. You say, I've made some mistakes in the past, but today I'm going to press in. And I'm going to allow Jesus to make some things new in my life. I'm going to allow Jesus to bring some fresh life for my future in the area of my relationships. I'm so, so sickened that the world has successfully defined the area of sexuality in our culture. And it's made God to look like he doesn't even know what he's talking about. The world says, you Christians, you may be going to heaven, but you're going to be bored the whole way you go to heaven. That you don't know what it means to have, have fun. You don't know what it means to have good relationships. You don't know what it means to have good intimacy. You're just with one person for the rest of your life. How boring is that? I want to give you some evidence today that I believe that the best way is God's way. I believe that following God's plan and God's purpose is the way to have the best life, the best intimacy, the best everything, every, every area of your life because God knows better than we know. It's like, it's like uh, going to the zoo. My, my boys love going to the zoo. Um, one of my favorite parts of going to the zoo with them, we, all, we love going and seeing the lions. The lions are always a blast. I, whenever I was in Africa about 10 years ago preaching, we, I stayed next to a lion camp where the youth camp where I was speaking at was at a lion camp. And there were these huge fences that were about 30 foot tall. And they, in the mornings, you would hear the lions just roar to wake you up. It was like the, the coolest alarm clock in the world. At first, you got scared to death. And then you realized, okay, they're, in the, they're, they're not out and about. And I got thinking, how different would a trip to the zoo with my boys be if there were no fences at the zoo? How different would it be to go look at the lions if there were absolutely no fences at the zoo around us? It would be like Jurassic Park. It would be a scary, scary, scary experience. It would go to be something where we could actually enjoy, something that we could learn. It would be this incredible experience too. You take the fences out of the zoo and it becomes something that, that you would never want to be anywhere near. And here's what it is. Culturally, sex, especially sexually in our relationships, Satan wants us to have the zoo without any fences. 
He wants us to remove all the fences and then tell us a lie that that is going to be the best way to live your life. But I want to show you today that intimacy only works in the right context, in the fence that God has created it for. And if you put it in the fence that God created it for, it is the most beautiful thing that God, that you could ever experience in your relationship. See, culture wants to give us some lies about, our, about sex. Say, what's the big deal about sex? Here's, here's some lies. First of all, what's the big deal? It's just an animalistic action. Sex is just an animalistic action. Just follow your feelings. Follow your heart. Animals do it. Why can't I? Why? It's just, just whatever feels good. It's just an animalistic action. I got one issue with that. You're not an animal. <laughs> I'm not an animal. We were created, we are created in the image of God. That we're not an animal. We're someone who's created in the image of God. If you follow your instincts like an animal, you'll end up a trophy on Satan's wall just like an animal. Anybody who knows about hunting knows how smart bucks are. They're some of the most intelligent creatures. They are very cautious, they're very careful. The reason that their horns are able to grow so big is because of how cautious and careful they are because they keep themselves from harm until they get in a season called rut. And then they start hearing the doe calling and they, what do they do? They throw all caution to the wind and that's all a deer call is. Whenever they hear that deer call, they hear the, hear the smell the scent. What are they smelling? They're smelling some ladies' perfume. <laughs> And the once smart, intelligent, cautious buck full of strength, he steps out in search of the wrong relationship. And because he's just an animal, and boom, he's on my wall. <laughs> right? The turkey, what? He, 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 he struts his stuff trying to find that lady, and boom, he's on the wall. If all you do is follow your feelings, you're going to end up on Satan's wall of trophies. Just ask Samson about it in the Bible. It's another message for another day. But Samson, what he was supernaturally strong, and a thousand men of war could not stop him. But one woman, one wrong relationship, one wrong sexual encounter began to take him on a path that took him down, and he began, he was a trophy on Satan's wall. But the grace of God, he became a trophy of grace. That's how God can take and turn our lives around. Second lie is that it's just a recreational activity. It's just a sport. It's just a hobby. It's just fun. It's just what happens on Friday night after the party. It's not. It's just expected. It's just what you do. It's. It's. We're dating. It's the 21st century. Don't be uh, archaic about it. This is just what happens. It's. It's as normal as going out to eat. It's just what we do. Um, the third lie is that what's the big deal about sex? It's just an isolated event. We say things like this: What happens in Vegas? stays in Vegas. But that's not true. What happens in Vegas stays with you forever. Because God designed that, that when you have sex with someone, a spiritual event takes place. A bond. The Bible says the two become one flesh. A piece of you goes with that person and a piece of that person goes with you and God designed it that way because he wanted the strongest bond on planet earth to be between a husband and a wife. And I want to take time out to say this. Maybe you say, well, that's, that describes me, preacher, why God doesn't like me and why God can't use me. I want you to know that we serve a God who doesn't just forgive our sins, but he cleanses us of our sins. 
So we're not doing this message series to put somebody down. We're doing this message series to lift you up and to let you know that God's grace is so sufficient. So you're not made righteous by being righteous. You don't achieve righteousness because of how good you are or because of the things you do or don't do. You receive righteousness because of who Jesus Christ is. You don't achieve righteousness. You receive righteousness. How? By grace through faith. Whenever you come to Jesus, you come saying, I have nothing to bring. I have nothing but, a, a, but, but just a life full of some mistakes and some problems. I have nothing to bring but Jesus. I come to you and I give you my life. And when you give him your life, he takes all all of those rags, and he exchanges it for his riches in glory in your life. If you're not a virgin, he makes you a virgin again. He restores. You're not righteous, he makes you righteous. He can restore something that you lost along the way. So let's look at what honeymoon night looked like. Song of Solomon chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Now watch, watch this Watch this guy now. Your eyes behind your veil. So he's wearing, she's wearing a veil. She's her wedding night. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Essentially, he says, your eyes are beautiful. Your hair, you may not want to use this one, but your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn and come up from the washing. He essentially said, baby... You don't only have good hair, you don't only have pretty eyes, but your breast smells good too. <laughs> he said, each tooth essentially has its twin and not one of them is alone. And we establish he's not a hockey player either. This is probably a great, great feat in her day. It says, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David built with elegance. Remember in week one we talked about how she said she was, um, she was very insecure about her appearance. She was dark, the Bible says. That she was not very proud. There were some things about her body that she was not very proud of. And what is he doing? He stops, starts at the top of her head. And he begins to compliment her one by one, just working his way down. And he tells her how beautiful she is, how lovely she is. She tells him all about it. She's saying, baby, you're so elegant. He's saying, baby, you're so elegant. You're so beautiful. He's teaching us right off the bat that great sex is affirming. Affirming. I found it so interesting. He does not even touch her for 11 whole verses. <laughs> 11 verses. He just speaks and affirms her. I want to encourage our married couples here today. You need to put a guard on your lips. We should never speak negative words about our spouse. And men, we should never, ever, 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 ever speak a negative word about our wife's body. What I've learned is that men and women look in the mirror very differently. A woman can be beautiful, just skinny. She could look like a supermodel. And she looks in the mirror and all she sees is that one flaw in the mirror. Guys can be fat, ugly, hair all over their back, look in the mirror and say, What's up? <laughs> you need to always speak affirming words to one another. You say, that's really not my style. They, they know that I love him. 
He, he knows that I love him. She knows that I love him. I want to say that you need to go beyond just thinking they should know. And you need to actually speak those words out just like Solomon did. See, this is the same in our relationship with God. You say, well, I don't have to work. I don't have to sing out loud. I don't have to clap my hands. I don't need to lift my hands. God knows I love him. I don't want to get all emotional or anything like that. Why would I want to ever be anything like that? You know, God knows. He knows my heart. I don't have to do anything to show him that, that, you know, that I love him, especially in public. I'd never want to do that. Uh, but you know what? God wrote us 150 chapters of the Bible. We call it the, Song of, the, the book of Psalms. And uh, he wrote us 150 chapters of the Bible telling us he likes to be, likes us to clap our hands, lift our hands. He likes us to shout for victory to his word and worship his name. He likes us to jump. He likes us to dance. And, 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 and we, we, many times we say, well, God, that's not really my style. And we don't worship God like God asks us to be worshipped, like, like God wants to be worshipped. And we do the same thing in our relationship with people. What we learn is that it doesn't matter how we want to show love. It matters how the other person receives that love. The best thing we can do is throw down our own agenda and love others the way they need to be and want to be loved. Say, well, I'm not really a hand clapper. Well, God says, clap your hands, all you people. I'm not really a lift up my voice. God says, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Why? God says, I want you to worship me. I want you to affirm me because I like it. And it's the same in our relationships with one another, with specifically with our spouses, that we need to make sure that we are affirming and speaking life, not speaking to the negative, but speaking to the positive. He goes on to say, everybody breathe in, everybody breathe out. Your two breasts are like two fawns. Like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. I find this so funny, this illustration that he uses. I'm not much of a hunter. I grew up in western Kentucky around a lot of hunters. and um, I've, I've been hunting a lot of times, but I, I've never uh, shot anything yet. I, I want to, but I haven't yet. And I think the reason I haven't is because I just do not like sitting in one place for very long. I guess it's my ADD or whatever, just you squirrel, you know, shiny object. Last time I went with some friends of mine in Florida, I don't know much about hunting, but I know a lot about coffee. So I went and I got a thermos for the hunt. I, you know, they had all the camo. I had my thermos, okay? So I was all, I was all into it uh, because I had my thermos. So I went to Starbucks. I was very intentional. I had my thermos full of hot Starbucks coffee, and, uh, and I was going about it. And the whole time, my buddy that I was hunting was like, shh, shh, shh. And my, my, star, my thermos was like, clank, clank, clankety, clank, 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 clankety, clank. And then he's like, shh. And then we were out there two hours. You know, it's a breaking of day. And I'm like, what? We are so stupid. What in the world are we doing? And we're, you know, I'm like, can we have, can I have some coffee? And he's like, you got to be quiet. Shh. And I'm like, clank, clank, clankety, clank. And he's like, oh, man, we're not going to see nothing because you're too loud. You're, you're just, you need to calm down, you know, on the coffee. And, and he, says, he says about them, he's, why, why is that? He said because he knows that deers, that, that does are very, uh, they're very jumpy. They got to make sure you don't just, just jump on them. He said your, your uh, two breasts are like two fawns. In other words, if all you do is run up and say, hey, fawns, it's going to be like me with my clankety clank, 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 clank coffee they're gonna run away man this teaches us that great sex is tender and we probably should slow our roll slow our approach so i have some advice men slow your approach women make an approach any approach just any approach you think just make an approach men slow down your approach 
Everybody thoroughly nervous and uh, very awkward in this place? Okay, good. Me too. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter 4 and verse 6. Until the day breaks. Translation, all night long. And the shadows flee. I will go to the mountain of myrrh until the hill of incense. No translation needed for that. The third thing we see in the scripture is that great sex is passionate. Why are you talking about this in church? What's the big deal? Here's the deal. Because culture says that if you follow God's way. <laughs> culture says if you follow God's way, then your sex life is boring. It's sterile. It's lifeless. And I want to tell you that's a lie. See, culturally, the very fact that God put this in the Bible tells us so much about God's heart in regards to our relationships. Because this kind of writing in the Bible was absolutely unheard of. There was no other writing of that time period that said anything about sex outside of just the need for procreation. And for two whole chapters, God shows us how sex his way through being attracted to the right thing, courting with other, courting in the right way and following them and saving yourself and saving yourself for that moment of honeymoon night. God says two whole chapters of how awesome it is. Why is that? Because your God is cool. And he knows what the right thing is. See, if you, people with marital issues, usually the first thing whenever I've talked to friends of mine and people that I've counseled about their marriage, the first thing they say is, well, I've, I've just fallen out of love. And here's the reality. You may have fallen into love, but you cannot fall out of love. Because falling out of love is a process of not investing in your relationship. See, growth and health in any relationship is not a product. It's a byproduct of doing Small things well consistently over a long period of time. It's like a fireplace. It's, we have a fireplace at our home, and it's, it's probably my favorite thing about our house. It's in our basement, and it's, it's just a, it's like a cave. I love it. We, we'll, uh, during, whenever it gets cold and it's snowing outside, we'll, we'll light the fire, and I love the smell, and I, I just love, absolutely love the fire. But after you get the fire lit... The problem with the fire is that it does not stay lit. Even though it's lit, even though there's fire in the fireplace, you have to add fuel to the fire if it's going to continue to burn. And I want to tell you, whenever we get married, whenever we fall in love, there's a, a lot of fire happening, somebody. Lord Jesus, there's a fire. But that fire's not going to maintain itself. You got to make sure that you commit to making sure fuel goes on the fire. We're going to talk a lot about this next week, but I just want to have some simple things. If you're struggling in your marriage this week, you need to commit to stay with one another through the good and the bad times. You need to remember your vows said for better or for worse, and that means exactly what you promise. It's going to be worse at some times. You need to forgive one another instead of blaming one another. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, how to forgive one another. And I want to challenge you, if you're going to keep the fire burning in your marriage, you have to be intentional about it. That fire's not going to build itself. you got to go to the, you know, I, Carol will be like, hey, make sure you go by Kroger and pick up some, pick up some wood. I don't even, you know, back in the day when I grew up kind of out in the country, we'd have to cut our own wood. Now we just go buy it in bundles. 
Make sure you go buy the wood so that we can have fuel for the fire. You got to be intentional. Here's, here's some ideas. Go on a date. If you're married, get a babysitter for the kids again. Buy some flowers again. Light some candles again. Get some rose petals again and throw them all over the place again. Get rid of that nightgown that your grandmother gave you. You couldn't see a solar flare through it. Get in the bed looking like you're wearing a space suit. Stop it. Stop it. Be intentional. Be intentional. Know this. We talked about this last week. That you are the only legitimate source of romance in your spouse's life. And if you're not providing romance to your spouse, how else are they going to get it? There's no other healthy way. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It's not in your notes, but it is on the screen. It says, Now the topics you raised in your last letter, some have said, there were some people that were spreading some false doctrine in the Corinthian church, and here's what it was, that it's better for a man to not have sex with his wife, and the devil is a liar. He said, well, I disagree. He said, because our tendency to embrace immoralities, each should be free to join together in sexual intimacy with his own wife. Watch, in just in that one verse, we get a little picture of what God's standard is. He says, it's nothing wrong with, with having intimacy. One man, one woman in marriage. That's God's standard. He said, verse 3, husbands and wives have reciprocal duties. Each husband has the responsibility to meet his wife's sexual desires, and each wife should do the same for her husband. In marriage, neither the husband nor the wife should act as if her body is private property. Your bodies do not belong to one another. Your bodies now belong to one another, and together they are whole. So do not withhold sex from one another unless both of you have agreed to devote a certain period of time to prayer. When the agreed time is over, come together again so that Satan will not tempt you to do what you are short on, on self-control. In other words, he said the only way you shouldn't be together is whenever you've taken time to fast and pray together. So praise the Lord. God bless all the spiritual people in the house. <laughs> Song of Solomon chapter 4 and verse 9 says, You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eye and with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and your fragrance of your perfume than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness to the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. I want to make mention that this was thousands of years before France was even a country. So that is called a Hebrew kiss, not a French kiss. And the fragrance of your garments are like the fragrance of Lebanon. Everybody okay today? Are we all breathing? Breathe in, breathe out. Please come back next week. (laughs) says, you're a garden locked up. Watch this. You're a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You're a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Look at that. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates, of choice fruits, and the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of water flowing down from Lebanon. said that you're just for me. No one has touched you. We are for one another. Don't let this world be your standard. You want to experience intimacy at its highest? Trust God. If you're not married yet, trust God. Trust God. Is, is, are you in a time, a season of winter, and you're preparing? Trust God. You're dating someone right now? Have a conversation. Made some mistakes in the past? Let today be a brand new day. Set some new standards. Build some fences at the zoo to make sure that things are in their proper places. I promise it's the best way. Say, so well, it doesn't feel good right now. I, I've learned that God's standards and God's, God's law 
are not because God's angry or mad at us or God's trying to keep something good from us. It's actually the, quite the opposite. It's because he loves us and cares about us. Even though we many times can't see it, God's always doing the best thing. It's like uh, my boys. Uh, my three-year-old, he loves to run around and he does, not wanna, he does not like fences. He does not want to be contained. And if I let him, he'd go play in the street every day. He would. He would run out the front door. He would grab whatever he could grab. And he would roll down the hill. If it was snowing, he would get his sled. He would go to, He would play in the street all day long. But if I was a, would I be a good dad or would I be a bad dad if I said, well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hurt him, you know, I don't want to hurt his feelings, so yeah, go ahead and play out in the street, three-year-old Hudson. Would I be a good dad or I'd be a bad dad? I'd be a bad dad. Why? Because there'll come a day where he'll be old enough to be able to understand and how all that works, but at this point, he, he's not ready for it. So I'm willing as a father to look like a bad dad to him so that I can do the right thing for his future. And you know what, you may look at God and say, you know what, God, I don't understand this. This way doesn't seem right. I promise if you'll trust him to not do some things now, he'll make it even greater than what you could ever imagine because his way really is the best way. Because here's number five and we're done today. Great sex is holy. Great sex is holy. If you could imagine a triangle that, that if on the bottom's on the bottom of the triangle is the man, and on the other is the woman, and then at the top of the triangle is God. And simply saying this, that there's a distance and a separation between a man and a woman always is, always will be naturally. There's a distance. But the closer that man and that woman get to God... What happens the closer they get to one another? The closer they get to God, closer they move up that triangle, they're not only getting closer to God, but they're actually getting close to one another. And the most powerful thing you could ever do for your future relationship or for your marriage that you're in right now is just pursue Jesus with everything that you have. Just Forget about trying to fix that other person. Forget about trying to have all the answers for them and fix the nail. Remember that last week in their head. Just, just work on God. I want to love you with all my heart. Go into worship like you've never went before. Get invested in the house of God like you never have before. Give all of yourself to the Lord. And you're going to find as you do, you're actually going to get closer to one another. Verse 16 says, Awake, north wind. Come, south wind. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Now, I'm not going to explain what that means because I promised Kara that I would not. <laughs> every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me tell you what, you, what could be going on right now. There could be a lot of guilt and shame. Maybe you willingly gave your virginity away or maybe it was taken from you. There's all sorts of emotions you may be feeling. I'm not holy, I'm dirty. And I've got a question for you today. Who makes things holy? We're only holy when we're touched by Almighty God. The moment Christ touches your life, He changes you and makes you brand new. And there is no condemnation to those 
who are in Christ Jesus. And if any man is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. God has something far better than what this world offers. And when we're touched by Christ, we're changed. So Father, let the Holy Spirit do a healing work, I pray, God, in this place. God, in this area of our struggle, God, we feel ashamed, all of us, because of mistakes that we made or things where we're not being the person we're called to be, God. God, we pray by your grace through faith. God, let your spirit make us brand new in Jesus' name. Everyone here today, I don't care who you are or, or where you are in your relationship with God. I want to ask you one question that applies to everybody. Do you want to honor God in the area of your sexuality in your life. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. If you do, I want to pray for you. If you say, I want to honor God with my life, why don't you just lift up your hand right now and say, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or non-Christian, just all over the house, lift up your hand, say, I want to honor God with this area of my life. God, I thank you for those that who under the loving conviction of your spirit want to honor you in every area of their lives, God. God, I keep falling short. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that Christ redeems us even that we make and even when we make mistakes. God, for believers in this room, God, I pray that you would point out the areas of our life where we fall short. God, we confess to you, God. We pray, I pray for marriages in this place, God. Marriages that may be struggling in certain areas, God. I pray that you would bring fresh life and fresh strength, new vitality to that area of their relationship, God. I pray for every single in this place, God. Give them strength to trust your way above what the world and what our culture says God help us to expose the lies of Satan that wants to cause us to destroy our lives to remove the fences and that we wouldn't experience the intimacy that you want us to experience in our lives God in Jesus name I pray